how's everybody doing this morning? Yeah. Uh, we're, of course, in our pressure cooker series. We're talking about stress, and, and all of us go through different stressors and have been going through stressors. Uh, I'm reminded of a time when um, we were in um, Florida for vacation, and uh, Terry's dad, while we were on vacation, ended up in the hospital, ended up having to have bypass surgery. And so, uh, of course, he wanted me to stay as far away as possible, but he wanted his daughter close. And so we had to fly Terry up to uh, Cincinnati from, uh, we were in Tampa, we were at Anna Marie Island. Anybody ever been to Anna Marie Island? It's, a, it's an awesome place. It's a great place. So we were at Anna Marie Island, so I had to fly her out of Tampa up to Cincinnati. And so when you leave the Tampa airport, of course, you go over that big bridge that goes over the Tampa Bay Bridge. And I got over the top of that bridge, and all of a sudden I realized I was out of gas. Uh, it was like, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning because she had an early flight. And so here I am, I'm out of gas, and so I'm stopping at these gas stations, and I have no cash. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of cashless most of the time. So I pull out my U.S. Bank card to get gas, and U.S. Bank had so kindly shut down my card since I was out of state. Uh, you know, they, they do that so well. No, shut anybody else's card down, but they shut mine down. And so here I am, no money, no cash, no gas. Uh, the boys were left back at the, uh, the, the house that we were rented, and I had teenager boys that were staying there. And so I was worrying like crazy. Uh, but, but that's kind of life. You know, it was, it was chaotic. It was stressful. Uh, it, you know, just in case you're wondering, it worked out. I got home okay, if you're wondering if that, what happened there. You know, that's, that's kind of the nature, or that's how stress gets us. The, the lack of resources oftentimes creates chaos and stress in our life. And, and honestly, sometimes this lack of resources, when I didn't have gas in the car, I could have got gas the night before. I, I could have had cash. I could have called U.S. Bank and made sure that my card was going to be functions, functioning. There was a lot of things I could have done to, to stave off that circumstances and not being, be without resources. So, so sometimes this lack of resources is our own fault. Sometimes it's not our fault. Sometimes it's just the course of life that we find ourselves without time, without money, without the resources we need to effectively live our lives. Now, as we deal with this, though, whether if you're going through a stressful circumstance and maybe it's partially your fault, I'm not trying to lay any false guilt or any additional guilt, that this isn't a big guilt trip time that, uh, or pointing my finger at you and saying, oh, well, you should have done better here. All of us, all of us have made mistakes with the use of our time or the use of our money. Um, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to share the worst purchase you've ever made. Okay, do it real quick. Oh, some of you act like you never made a bad purchase. <laughs> Boy, I didn't know you'd have that many. I purchased not one, but two Pontiac Fieros. Yes, that's right. So I've got it on all of you. All of us have made poor decisions with our time or our money. And as a result, there's been a lacking of resources that has created stress in our life. The good news is this. God can move through all of your circumstances. There's a scripture that I love. It's in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things God works 
for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. In other words, as I read this scripture, God can move through our past mistakes. God can move through our past failures and use it in this day for our good and his glory. And so maybe you're struggling with something in your past. We have, by the authority of scripture, a God who is good enough that can turn those mistakes into his glory and your good. And so it's a reason to be thankful this morning. As a matter of fact, if there's not another reason to say amen in church, that was a scripture that was worthy of amen. (laughs) You know, God's great ability to make our wrong His right. (laughs) That, That God can somehow turn our chaos into something that's beautiful by His grace. But limited resources create stress. When we don't have enough time, we don't have money, there is stress in our life. And, and we've been using this scripture as the, um, as the center of what we've been talking about. I have told you these things, so in, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And, and these are the words of Jesus on the night that he's betrayed. The last things he's saying to his, his, his disciples before the crucifixion. I have overcome, you can overcome. And, and the premise of the series has been, we are meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. And, and we've been making that personal. Now, I, I preach on this series this week. Josh does it, does it next week. And Josh may not make you do that. Uh, I'm going to make you do it every time I preach. I want us to make this personal and say this together. So say this with me. I will overcome, not be overwhelmed. That is God's desire for you. God's desire is not that you will be overwhelmed by the circumstances of your life, but God's desire is that you will overcome because your brother, your joint heir, Jesus has overcome. And so we're going to talk about the fifth principle. And we've talked about, we've talked about, um, last week we talked about the Sabbath principle and and we've talked about... um, I can't name them off now. The wisdom principle. uh, And today we're going to talk about the stewardship principle. The stewardship principle is this. My resources belong to God. And uh, my resources, all all the things that that, that you possess belongs to God. What is stewardship? Now, that's that big theological word. And, you you know, we had a funeral last week and... and, um, Thad Hicks talked about his grandpa and said he was cheap. And, and I said, no, you don't use cheap. Theologically, you say they're a good steward. You know, that's, that's one of those big Christian words that we use. And so I always look up words on, on, in the dictionary or dictionary.com to see what they, they mean. And so I looked up the word stewardship. And, and here's the definition they give me, gave me, to act as a steward. <laughs> oh, that, isn't that helpful? Don't you like it when the definition includes the word in it? Um, so I had to go deeper and I had to look up what a steward does. A steward manages resources that are not their own. So in other words, it's somebody that holds on to something for someone else. Anybody ever been on a field trip with their kids? And you know, you've got like five or six kids that you're watching and so they give you all the money. And, and you know that feeling when you're holding somebody else's money that 
that you're more careful with their money than your own money. I'd rather lose my money than the, some kid's money. I'd rather lose $500 of my money than $50 of, of some kid's money. I feel so guilty about it. And so that, that's the ideal of somebody that's holding something that belongs to someone else. Uh, under the law, when you hold something for somebody else, legally there's a higher standard of care. That, that as a fiduciary, you have to be more careful with someone else's possessions uh, than your own when you're holding uh, possessions for someone else. Now, when we're talking about resources, we're talking about more than money. Uh, when, when I'm talking about stewardship today, we'll talk about money because that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, our, Jesus talks about money more than anything else uh, because oftentimes that's, that's the first key to our heart is how we spend our money and what we do with our money. But resources include time, energy, physical and emotional. It, it includes money, possessions, and it includes talents. All these things are things that God has given to us that we are stewards of. Uh, we, we preached several weeks ago the Vapor series, and we talked about even this day, that you're not guaranteed beyond this day. And even this day, you are a steward of this gift from God, and our days are limited, and how we use those days matter. Now, let me give you an alternative definition that... that um, is helpful as well. It says, a steward cares for property that is of great value. Maybe you're struggling with whole, this whole concept that God owns everything, that everything you have belongs to God, but, but at least you can agree to this ideal, that, that what we have is of great value because it's finite, it's limited. You don't have limited financial resources or limited time resources. And if you've got unlimited time resources and unlimited financial resources, come see me. I'll help you with that, okay? All of us will acknowledge these, these things that we have that we can give are limited. And because they are limited, they have great value. And we should handle them as stewards with great care and not in a frivolous way. We, we, we shouldn't just waste it. So I'm going to give you a, a scripture, and it's a longer scripture. It's out of Matthew. Jesus, oftentimes when he would describe, and, he, and in this passage he's describing the kingdom of heaven, he would use these stories or these parables. And, and this is in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation because it, it, as a paraphrase, it's easier or easier flow to read. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing in preparation to their abilities and proportion to their abilities he then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then you were to take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, so what do we learn about stewardship in this passage? The first thing is this, how we use our resources has eternal implications. And I know, you know, I'm thinking I'm preaching a, a series on re- resolving stress in our life. And I think, man, I'm just pouring more stress because how we spend our time, when we misuse our time, when we misuse our money, you're telling me, Pastor, there's eternal ramifications. And I don't want to back away from that concept because there is eternal ramifications. But, but I've got good news that goes along with that. What is today? What in the church calendar? What is today? It's Pentecost. Well, what's Pentecost? Pentecost is the day when God gave His Holy Spirit to the church. And so on this hand, you have a God who gave His Son to die for us, rose Him from the dead, was not satisfied with that, but 50 days after Jesus was crucified, He sent the Holy Spirit to empower, to give discernment to, to live inside the people of God. God's desire for you, if you don't get anything else that I say, God's desire for you is not that you fail, but that you succeed in this journey of faith. He has given you His Word. He has given you the church. He has given you other believers. He has given you His very Spirit, not so that you could be held in guilt or held lacking, but so that you could serve Him in a way that brings glory to Him, that allows you to live an abundant life, a good life. Now you say, well, pastor, does that mean that we have no problems? No. Um, I know some will preach that if you give and you do and you serve, then nothing bad will happen your way. It's never been my experience. God wants to see you succeed in your Christian walk, not fail. And so all those, there's eternal implications for what we do with our time and our money and our recesses, resources, recesses too. If you need a recess, go ahead and take one now. Our resources, God will and does give us the tools to allow us to use these things properly. The second thing is this, stewards plan. 
Since resources are limited, we have a plan in place. And I asked the first service to tell me what this means. Anybody ever hear the phrase, go by the seat of your pants? What's that mean? All right. you got, somebody give me the orig, origin of that. But we, we don't just go by the seat of our pants. We have a plan. With money, we call that what? Budgeting. We, we, we have a schedule for our time. We, we have principles in place for our home life. We, we have things in place that provide a guidance to how we use these limited resources. We hold them in such value that, that we're not just going to throw away money or throw away time or throw away energy, but we're going to use it intentionally in a way that is honoring to God and good for us. So let me ask you, do you have a plan in place with regard to your finances? Do you have a budget? Are you monthly examining that plan and making sure you're staying true? It's real easy to set a budget and then just ignore it. Amen? It's like being on a diet but eating what you want, right? And so it's not only important that you have a budget, but that somehow you're examining realistically that budget and, and how you're living by it. Do you have set principles that determine how you utilize your time? Um, you know, I do. I have set principles how I utilize my time, and then I'll find me breaking those principles from time to time, and it creates stress and chaos in my life. Just this last week, I had made a determination, okay, there's this much time and this much I can do, and I will not do anything else. Because you're always, Todd, is this not true? You're always getting a call from the district, from your, your local ministerial association, from your church saying, hey, can you do this? And you always feel like saying what? Yeah, <laughs> but it's more time. And so we need to have, with regard to our time, principles that allow us to utilize our time and not, not, not have our time be taken from us. Do you have set principles in place for your family and your children? And are you examining these principles? All of these things are, are, are planning things that you, you, you don't do in the spur of the moment. You don't do on the fly, but they're in place as you prepare for life. And it's, a, it's an important part of, of what we do. Why is this important? Stress is oftenly, often directly related to how we use our resources and whether we have the resources. As we've looked at all of these different things that create stress in your life, we've talked about family and finances, work, caring for loved ones, sickness, all these things. There is a common thread in there, and it is the resources of life. And oftentimes, we feel stress because we're tapped financially or we're tapped with our time, and we don't have time to even deal with the, what's going on in our life. And sometimes, this lack of resources is our own fault. And sometimes it's not. But a plan helps whether this lack of resources is our fault or not our fault. Budget, life plans, home rules, schedules. These are all effective tools even when the lack of resources is not 
some fault on your own. It's something to fall back on to help you find structure in the midst of chaos. And then there's always this. Prepared people avoid self-inflicted stress. I'm just going to speak a, 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 it sounds like a harsh truth, but it's not intended. It's, it's meant in love. Some of the stress in your life, if you were to be honest, could be limited by structuring and planning better. Um, you guys can stone me later for saying that. But, but even if the emergencies cannot be avoided, you will move through those better with a budget and a schedule and a plan. Now there's more. Now it's easy to talk, and I think these things are practical. And um, you know, maybe, maybe they're too practical to be preached. I don't know. I, I, I like to think that when we preach that, that it should have an effect on how we live our lives. And, and so I try to do that. But, but, but there's more than just this practical aspect of managing things. See, stewardship is more than that. Stewardships, and I think we get this illusion that, that good stewards are the people who save the most effectively. And so the people that we, we, we point to say, oh, well, that's a good steward. They have a nice house. They have a nice savings account. You know, they, they can retire early. And, and, and I think that's, that's part of the point. You know, managing your money is part of the point, but it's not the entire point. It's kind of missing the direction stewardship is going and what we're trying, what God is trying to accomplish through stewardship. Stewardship is less about how much I possess and more about what I do with what I possess. In other words, I've met poor people that don't have a lot of resources that are excellent stewards of the resources that God's given them. That, that they know how to, to use them and bless and plan and do more with less than some people do with more. And then I've met rich people who have a lot of possessions that are not good stewards of the possessions, the gifts that God has blessed them with. Stewards use resources to bless others. And ultimately, the goal of stewardship is not accumulation, but the goal of stewardship is, is generosity. That's what stewardship leads to, to this generous spirit. The, the fruit of the spirit is not, he's got a big savings account and he lives in a nice house, but the fruit of the spirit of this, is this spirit of generosity where resources flow through us on other folks. Not, not that we do without, not that, that God insists that we, we, we give everything away, but, but that somehow what we're blessed with proves to be a blessing to others. John Wesley said this, gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. <laughs> I, I love that instruction. And as I mentioned, John Wesley, uh, you know, I think we need to hold the United Methodist Church in prayer. Uh, this week. Uh, there's a, a lot of chaos in, in the church, and, and I'll be honest, it, it looks like there's a battle for the very soul of Wesley's church uh, in, in the balance right now. So be praying. They're, they're still in the midst of their conference in Portland, and, and I, I don't even think they've hardly moved through the, the rules of order for the convention yet, and let alone the hard issues that'll surely be brought up.
So let's talk about tithing. Say, hey, tithing. <laughs> tithing is a habit that allows us to release our finances back to God. Stewardship is more than tithing. It's, you know, if you're saying, well, I tithe and that's the end of my stewardship, you're missing the point of what God's trying to train us with through the habit, the, the, the regular tithing of our money. Now, when I talk about tithing, I, I talk in terms of traditionally what you've heard of. Tithing is a 10% of my income to the church. Uh, be, and the reason I say to the church is because uh, initially God received a 10% tithe to the people of Israel, and this was the body, the, the, the mechanism uh, that, that operated to, to grow the kingdom of God. But in the New Testament, that entity is the church. And, and so God allows His people to partner with the church to grow the kingdom through their financial resources. And, and folks, there's... Uh, let's be real practical. Without resources, the church can't do what the church needs to do in the community. And so tithing is this giving of 10%. And, and, and as we give this 10%, I, I want you to see that th this is not something that is just primarily for the church. And, and, you know, I always hesitate preaching on tithing because I know there's so many different perspectives. I want you to know that Terry and I have tithed before we were pastors. We tithed. We always did to our local church. And, and maybe you're thinking, oh, well, this pastor, you know, he's, he's including this and, and this is self-serving. And in a way it is. I'm employed by the church. I understand that. But if you think that somehow I'm just manipulating, give it somewhere else. The principle is too important for you to get caught up in that. Uh, I believe for some of you this principle is, is so essential. It's the beginning of your faith walk when you begin to see that your resources don't belong to you, but they belong to God. And that's just the beginning. And maybe you're struggling with that, you know, I can't do this. Start with a percent. Start with 2%. Start a lower amount and work your way through this. But tithing is a habit that works an effect on our ability to be good stewards. Uh, tithing makes me more God-dependent. In other words, when I give 10%, and Amy talked about this in, in her sermon, when I give this 10%, it makes me aware that, that all of it belongs to God. But not only that, that God is going to have to work to stretch the 90% to use it in the way it needs to be used. That I'm going to give you this part, God, with the realization that it all belongs to you, and somehow if I am faithful to you in this, you will be able to allow me to use my money in a more effective way. Tithing, and this is significant, begins the work of releasing me from the tyranny of materialism and moves me towards generosity. I'm going to speak... Maybe you have had this legalistic ideal of tithing, that it's my 10% and that's the end, i got to tell you, that's not what God's trying to do. He's not trying to create a due system into heaven. But he's trying to train a people who sees that their money does not even belong to them, but it belongs to him, and moved him to this point where the materialism of this age, which is significant, amen, move us from the materialism of this age to a place where generosity is a natural habit of life.
And generosity is to release my resources back to God to use. Now, let me ask you. Um, generosity is good, right? Somebody say, man, generosity is good. Okay. Just making sure. I'm going I'm to give you a quote, and I want you to tell me if this is in the Bible or not. And if you were in the first service, you can't answer, okay? Bob, okay. It is more blessed to give than receive than to receive. Is that in the Bible? Raise your hand if you think that's in the Bible. Right. Raise your hand if you think it's not. Okay. I'm not going to say who raised their hand that was wrong. It is in the Bible. I, thought, I think I'll do that every week. I'll give a quote and you can say Bible or not Bible. Acts 20.35 says, And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting place because it's not in the Gospels, but it's in the book of Acts. And I believe this is even Paul talking about something that Jesus said. So, so this is a phrase that even though the Gospel accounts don't pick it up, by the time the book of Acts is being written, it's kind of a phrase that they're using over and over that Jesus said this. It's better to give than to receive. Studies show, not church studies, but, but independent scientific studies show that generosity helps us emotionally, physically, and relationally. It helps in every way. It helps your brain fire better. It helps your relationships with others. It, it helps you emotionally. Generosity is a virtue that is good for you. So let me ask you, are you using your resources to bless others or simply for your own good? Stewards release resources and circumstances to God. I've got a video we're going to play. God provides for my family each and every day. With such a large family, we have become stewards of what God has given to us. Polly and I have to manage the time, the resources, and the needs of a large family. Throughout the years, there have been times when we don't know where the funds will come from or how we're going to manage the situation we're going through. But God is there to help us through that situation and provides the necessary, either the necessary means or the wisdom to take care of that situation. By being stewards of what God provides, it also means being within or living within the will of our Heavenly Father. We have never been in a position where our focus is, has been on obtaining more than what we already have. We have worked to instill in our kids that material possessions and wealth is not what is important. And it's contradictory to what Jesus taught. Even though the world's viewpoint of success is you know, material gain, status, or power, Polly and I know that by being stewards of what God has provided and instilling that into our children is God's measure of success. 
We thank God each and every day for what he has provided us and for the many blessings. He has taken the ordinary, given us a means to raise 32 children and from that made something extraordinary. Thank you. Children by biological birth and they've ad adopted 30 children over the past few years and have raised uh, 32 children or are raising 32 children in their home. And, and you know, they've had to trust God. You know, it's, it's not that they were hyper wealthy or super wealthy. Uh, good job, good home, but, but to raise 32 children would take a lot, right? And they've trusted God and allowed Him to use their resources to bless so many people. But what if the situation is bad? Uh, several years ago, I talked to you, or when I came to be your pastor, there was a lady at uh, Trenton that had, had developed cancer, and she was going through her last days. And, and uh, she died shortly after we, we came to be your pastor. And Amy Barner uh, developed cancer, two, two small kids, an older daughter. And, and um, as she began to walk through this, she had a phrase that she had used. She would say, God has this. <laughs> And I thought about that, you know, we think of you know, being stewards of the good circumstances of life, but I think she gives the example of being a steward of even the hard circumstances of life. A couple of weeks ago, we were having a discussion in my, my Bible study on Sunday night, and Donna, who comes to the first service and is usually in the Bible study with Bob, was talking about the death of her son, and she said, even in the death of my son, I was giving God thanks. And I, and I got to tell you, I struggle with that. Right? Anybody else? I mean, I, I, and I told her, you know, I, I got to tell you, I struggle with the ideal of giving God thanks for the bad things in life. But, but I think what she's talking about there is an important principle to realize that even bad circumstances, God has them too. <laughs> you know, it's a faith statement every once in a while we have to make. When, when life isn't going according to plans, we have to make that statement, God has even this. Uh, as I sat in the hospital room with Nancy and Rodney and we talked about lesions on the brain and what that might mean for Nancy, uh, you know, I thought about this. Uh, that circumstance is not a circumstance any of us want to deal with. Uh, but as I watched uh, Nancy continue just to, to, to be an uplifting person and a praising person, I thought, God has this. <laughs> I see Geneva sitting there and, and know that it's been a rough few years. And uh, in the midst of even dark, difficult circumstances, God has this. I went and saw my friend Dave Groves. Remember Dave? Dave's got cancer and usually sat here until he wasn't able to. He gave me this, so I'll put this on for him. <laughs> and... Um, you know, just a great conversation with Dave talking about faith and heaven. Uh, that, that there's hope at the end of this, that this isn't the end anyhow, and there's a healing coming for us all, and we're all in the process of dying, and you know, God has this life, and God has my death. God has this. So I don't know what you're dealing with today, and maybe it's, it's, maybe it's bigger than you. As a matter of fact, it probably is bigger than you, and the truth is that that statement, God has this, is an important statement. Uh, it doesn't mean that we, we make it jumping up and down with joy, right? 
I mean, there's circumstances that we go through that we're not going, oh, I hope I get to do that again. But God has this. So what circumstance do I need, do you need to give to God today? You know, this isn't easy. Uh, I, I understand this. Uh, it, it's not easy, and we need others to do this. So we've done an interesting thing with our, our spiritual journey, and, and I don't think it's the right thing. Uh, we, we've made our spiritual journey, our, our faith, our, our belief in God, this inward thing. And people, you know, will say things like, you know, what do I believe about God's between me and God. And, and, and the spiritual journey is this, this journey inward. And as I read the Bible, as I consider God's word, I don't think that's right. See, see the Bible talks about a people, the body. And the Bible talks about people doing this journey alone or together, not alone. And so some of you are going through things, and the temptation is to try to face it on your own, and I don't think it's big biblical, and I don't think it's even possible. We need each other. So I encourage you this week, to, if there's something you're dealing with, to, to find somebody. But today we're going to close with communion. We're going to ask the praise team to come. They're going to sing and play and but we're going to close with communion and communion is kind of an interesting thing communion is a um, some people refer to it as an economic feast in other words it speaks to our economics it speaks to a people who share uh, that that you know we share this table and, and the reflection is of the early church that that shared life together and and so as we receive this i i want you to receive it with the ideal of of being trained how does god want you to think well god wants you to think of this people this group this body as your family and as as we sing good good father that god sits at the head of the table and we all participate in this feast together as one that we're not doing this alone, that, that, that somehow this isn't something I have to work out in my inner self, but, but somehow through God's Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the love of other believers, I can make it through this life and at the end of my life stand before Him and Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's the truth. None of us unless Jesus returns, are going to get out of this thing alive. <laughs> You're not. And, and, and through this process, there'll be ups and downs. And the only way you're going to make it, the only way I'm going to make it, is with you, with each other. Stand with me, if you will. Or receive communion by intention, which basically means you just come forward, you, you dip it as you, you go through. I'm going to pray with us, and, uh, and they're going to sing while we're receiving. Lord, bless us, be with us, help us as we receive, the, we receive these elements to see you and to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.